from a bunker in beautiful Potchester, the Bronx, it's electoral dysfunction. Now, here's your host, Tom Brennan. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Electoral Dysfunction, the show where comedians and experts debate the news of the week from the safety of their quarantines. It's been a while since we've done this show. We made a promise we would never do electoral dysfunction again unless Joe Biden got COVID twice in the same week. We didn't think it would happen, but the bluff's been called. So we're back uh, and better than, than ever. Better than never, maybe. Better than Ezra, certainly. Uh, I'm Tom Brennan. And I'm Kent McClarkelson. Oh, that's right. Our old buddy, Kent McClarkelson of the, I believe, Midwestern Regional Curling Association on loan through a provision in the bipartisan infrastructure framework passed last year uh, to, to support your local podcasts with, with people who know how to broadcast. Kent? Yeah, and I still get a siphon from TARP, uh, Tom, <laughs> so... That's really right. still getting that yes. tarp stipend how that's still nice. getting some tarp stuff uh i was also a uh, a featured extra in the big short <laughs> where i was margot robbie's executive assistant right okay yeah. well so so you're doing all, you don't even need this job you're just doing this for the love of the game at this point love the game i am breaking some union uh obligations but you know when you're worth 3.8 billion dollars in ethereum <laughs> daddy's gonna do what daddy's gonna do uh kent it's good to have you back let's talk a little bit about the news of the week uh uh let's get your take on this big news of course uh uh, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, the bet noir of the left and really the right most days, brokered a deal with with Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer on a reconciliation bill. They pulled the rug out from underneath the uh, the Republicans. What's your thoughts on on Senator Manchin and uh, this week in Congress? Well, to be perfectly honest, Tom, I have uh, I've been in an ashram in uh, right outside of LA. So I'm not so familiar with the mansion deal, but what I can tell you is that I have started a cover band called Rage Against the Mansion. And we have such hits as Blue Dogs on Parade, <laughs> Killing in the Name of Liz Cheney, <laughs> and Freedom. Sure, of course. Uh, freedom, that's a good song. Uh, yes. Well, well, then I guess you can't give us too much on your thoughts on, on the deal itself, but uh, seems like Manchin's really inspired a lot of your creativity uh, recently. You're a fan, huh? Yeah, huge fan. Uh, I like how he just, you know, instead of picking one side, he just is a coward and chooses the middle. And uh, what can you say? Curling is a game for cowards, Tom. <laughs> and I am one too. So, all right. Well, it's strong shots fired against curling. Let's talk about uh, some other. Well, look, we're about we're less than I think a hundred days out or two hundred days out rather from the midterm elections uh, mm. this fall. We're going to have I think 33, 34 Senate seats, all the House seats, a bunch of governorships up for up for grabs. What are your thoughts on the state of play with the Senate? Huh? Yeah, for uh, for PA Senate, it is uh, it is really wild, as we all know. Uh, physician's assistant and disgraced Muppeteer Frank Oz <laughs> is running. Um, yeah. <laughs> he is just really gonna walk a walk of his way into the Capitol. Sure. Um, and 
All I can say is, <laughs> that was an animal impression, Tom. Right. I just wanted to spell that out for you. I'm not 100% um, sure that it's the same Oz, but uh, you, you know, you're closer to the news than I am. I am. Uh, regardless, I, I do think it's interesting that uh, Frank Oz would run against Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, because Fetterman, as you know, would be, I think, either the first or second Muppet monster elected to U.S. Congress if he wins. Yeah, that's right. After, I mean, Bunsen and Beaker did run in 74 in a, uh, in the, as you know, the lieutenant gubernatorial campaign of Idaho. That's true. Um, that's true. And that ended in a literal chemical explosion. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of good Muppets died that day, Tom. I thought it was pretty, pretty rough of the media to out the fact that Beaker had been subject to electroshock therapy, but the 70s were a different time, I suppose. It was a different time. Yeah. Timothy huh. Leary, man. Yeah. Tom Eagleton. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, let's talk about one last little bit of news. This is maybe two or three weeks old, but, you know, it just popped into my mind. Infrastructure, of course, big deal in the country right now. Big part of why you're even on this show. Uh, right. And look at this. Uh, one of the largest sinkholes in the history of the Bronx opened up over in a neighborhood called Morris Park. Uh, you know, a couple cars fell in, huge, just out of nowhere. The street just opens up, swallows a couple cars whole. Thoughts on the sinkhole in the Bronx? Oh, I thought the biggest sinkhole in Manhattan was Gowanus Canal. <laughs> that's or it's wow. um, a bunch of boroughs mixed up there, but go on. That's that's absolutely right. Or I was going to say CBGBs. Also, I have technically been in a coma since about 2005, in addition to the ashram. <laughs> so a lot of this stuff is just going right, right. over my head. You or you know what? You'd appreciate this, Tom. Uh, I think the biggest sinkhole, at least in Manhattan, is right near Carl Schurz Park, oh, a little boy. house. Uh, oh, one could boy. say a mansion, a rage against the Gracie Mansion. That's my <laughs> second cover band oh, uh, where we have Killing in the Name of David Dinkins. Um, <laughs> that is... That's all I have, Tom. Good, good. That let's all I have. Let's stay in 1992. I like it. Yes. Uh, Ken, yes. it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Can you stick around? No. <laughs> all right, great. Ken McClarkelson, everybody. Uh, always good to see you. And uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you can catch a good friend of yours every Friday at the Tank uh, in Manhattan performing. Yes, it's after that. You can find uh, Rich Templeton and company at uh, the Tank, uh, the team. What is the name of the team? We have a temporary name called Jake the Dog. Uh, also another sketch group called Beverly plays at the pit coming this fall. And uh, lots of stuff, Tiny Covered. You can find a lot of information on richtempletoncomedy.com. Excellent. Thank you, Kent. My best to you and Rich. And with that, let's kick it over to the panel. And join me in welcoming this week's panel. Ah, man, what a great panel to return to doing this show after. I'm going to go with 18 months. Uh, again, as we said in the beginning, we were going to do this show, but then we had to stop because uh, one of us had to spend 18 months in a security. Not going to get into who, but let's just say his name rhymes with Schmobber George. Uh, <laughs> uh, first up, very excited to have this gentleman back with us, coming to us from parts unknown, the United States Army's own very funny man, G.I. Jew himself, at Benari Lee. Find him on Twitter. Benari Poulton's back. Hey, Benari, how hey. are you, my friend? I am doing great, and uh, as always, uh, my opinions are my own and in no way reflect those of the United States Army, the Army Reserve, the U.S. government, or any, uh, you know, people real or imagined. 
Excellent. All right. But it does reflect the official position of the United, of the Canadian Army. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. And Robert George, weirdly enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's very bizarre. <laughs> All right. Uh, also with us, ah, very excited to have her coming to us from the great state of Texas. You have to call Texas great because they need the that's, they need that support at all times. <laughs> Uh, veteran of, of uh, political, uh, uh, what is it, advising and the like here, here in the, the New York State. Uh, now, uh, one of our future great lawyers to stop uh, the march of fascism in the state of Texas. Hey. Angeline Superable is with us. Hey, Angeline, how are you? I'm great. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Tom. Thank you for being here. Uh, next up, very, very funny comedian. Uh, find her series Bridesman on YouTube and nowhere else. <laughs> Shannon DeVito's with us. <laughs> hey, Shannon, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't yet watched Bridesman, but uh, I heard about it from at least one group of friends. <laughs> uh, one specific, specific demographic, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and finally, as always, columnist for Bloomberg Opinion and the, you know, if not for Joe Manchin, he'd be the greatest enemy of both the left and the right. Robert George. Hey, Robert, how are you? Doing well, Tom. Good to be uh, good to be back here. You know, it's uh, I'm glad you said I'm glad you noticed that uh, I am not, you know, broadcasting from parts unknown um, because my parts are known everywhere. But that may be oh giving you too much, right. too much information at this point. I don't know. I think it's well. You just confirmed that we're going to add a human resource. I'm oh, sorry, Benari. Were you about to say something? I, 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 you <laughs> yes, just those, looked like you you wanted yes. to just jump in there. I think that's also can only be seen on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, world. that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why he was in a facility for 18 months. All right, so let's jump into it. Let's get into this. So something amazing happened in uh, the Senate this week. Something that I certainly has never happened in my lifetime. Well, this has happened. The framework of this has happened. The Senate Majority Leader uh, made a promise to the Senate Minority Leader that a bill that the Minority Leader didn't want to have passed wouldn't pass. And then uh, a few hours after uh, another bill passed, they pulled a fast one on them and, and announced that this big bill would come through. This has happened in my lifetime. It's never happened that it was the Democrats who pulled it off. <laughs> uh, this week, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer uh, and uh, Senator from West Virginia, Joe Manchin, announced the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. That stands for IRA, everyone's favorite, uh, uh, I guess, terrorist group from Ireland. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, a, a reconciliation bill, which means it only needs 51 votes to pass. Uh, uh, that is actually, it's not quite what, what uh, Biden and, and most folks left of center wanted with Build Back Better, but it is a legitimately good Democratic bill. It invests millions in climate change, uh, closes up tax loopholes, expands healthcare subsidies for the ACA through the 2024 election. Uh, and most importantly, again, as was alluded to, it all happened by pulling a fast one over on Mitch McConnell. And I feel like when McConnell had his press conference, you could see in his eyes, even he was like, nice job. You got me good. <laughs> like, that's how I would have done it. Uh, they got it by promising there would be no vote on reconciliation. And that got them to got the Republicans on board with voting for the Chips Act, which finally codifies the 1970s TV show Chips in the law. Uh, we all have to watch it now. <laughs> Um, by law, or else you're not a citizen. That's right. The Erica Strong. Only on, yeah, only on YouTube and maybe Grinder. Um, <laughs> you can find chips all over Grinder. Um, uh, but this is a this is an this is a was a was a big deal and a shock in Washington. It seems like 
literally, if you're a Democrat and you vote against this bill now, you're either a moron or really owned by your donors. So Kirsten Cinema is the only possible way this could be stopped. Uh, thoughts on the on the on the the infrastructure or the Inflation Rather Reduction Act? Uh, and let's let's kick it off. Uh, I'm going to kick it off to Robert George just to give us some context as someone who, as we all know, is older than me and worked on Capitol Hill for a while. Robert, what are your thoughts on this on this bill? Well, uh, this being electoral dysfunction, you know, far be it for me to actually uh, focus on the important policy implications that are in this bill and uh, how well it'll it will how well it will. Actually, no one cares about that. How well it will actually reduce inflation? Maybe yes. I believe, it's, uh, just to give some context, financial experts believe it will reduce it, but long term, not like instantly this year, more likely over the next few years and like post. 2024 election. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, there is, though, a fair amount of analysis that suggests that this is uh, the um, the climate change um, uh, aspects of the bill um, are, um, are 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 real, and uh, and it's really the the most it's the most significant uh, uh, climate change legislation that um, that would come out of Congress. Um, like uh, well, certainly within the certainly within the last uh, you know few decades, or actually, arguably, you could say ever, because there have been a number of you know green or environmental friendly bills over the last 50 years. But uh, since the threat of climate change um, is, has emerged over the last several decades, this really is the first time we've, we've got federal legislation that is going to try to address it. You know, whether it's uh, whether it may have arrived too late is unfortunately something we'll also have to see uh, play out um, in the in the in the years to come. But all of that aside, you're quite right that the um, the whether you want to call it the the, the long con, the short con, or the uh, or the fast one, however you, however you want to describe it, uh, it when it looked like what, about two weeks ago, Joe Manchin was walking away from this deal, and that in a sense addressed what Mitch McConnell had been saying a few days beforehand, where he said that if you go ahead with reconciliation, we're going to uh, deep six the cheap the the Chips Act. So when Manchin looked like when it looked like Manchin was walking away, McConnell said, OK, we can now go ahead with the CHIPS Act. And then two days later, ah, surprise, we're actually going to go ahead. We are going to go ahead with this. Uh, oh, what's so uh, It was hours after the vote that they did it, which was pretty uh, incredible. Which uh, Also, which, by the way, I want to go back to a word you used that said maybe real. Like, that's a real great assessment of Congress right now that we're like, we're like, they passed a bill. Is it real? <laughs> like, will it matter? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, that we, that's that's the best you can. That's almost the best you can. That's almost the best you can do um, the, uh, the, these these days. Um, though I will actually, we, we can talk a little bit later on that uh, about that. Uh, arguably, this could end up being one of the more consequential uh, uh, Congresses um, for, for the last um, for the last several years. Um, but but no, but but what's so what was so weird about that is it. it 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 seemed it, it kind of implicit that Manchin and Schumer two weeks ago um, did like a wink wink and Manchin said okay I'm going to say I'm walking away from this um, because uh, the Republicans um, are not arguing in good faith on the Chips Act and Schumer and Schumer was like basically saying sure I'll back your play I'll look very upset that you're now walking away and saying that we can still do something but but you you're going to say what you're going to say. 
and uh, and that that'll be enough to convince the Republicans. And that, that seems to be what happened, which is a which even by uh, even by um, uh, c- Congress's rules, that's that's pr- that's pretty sly. And as you said, uh, at the, as you said at the, at the top, you know, even even Mitch McConnell has to like sort of uh, you know give the devil his due. Yeah, on game respect game of, there, man. Yeah, game respect game. Uh, let's talk for a moment about the, the read on the bill. Uh, uh, Angeline, you've, you've spent a little bit of time in politics. You've watched the communication in the process uh, and, and been a part of that. What, what are your thoughts on, on this, how it came down, how it's being communicated about now, and just general thoughts on Joe Manchin, greatest hero we've ever had? <laughs> what a time to be alive. Like, I think it's fascinating where we can liken the voting to being like a survivor blindside. Like, big surprise, everybody. We pulled it off. I have no idea how that happened. I think it's, I mean, I think if there's anything that I learned from being in communications over the past few years, it's that we don't do a good job of communicating directly with people. And I think at the end of the day, though this may be consequential and it's probably going to be really good for my grandchildren and their grandchildren, my parents have no idea what's going on. And they are voters in Texas, you know? So I don't know. I think that's something that I'm going to continue to study here. I was on mute there. Uh, Shannon, your thoughts uh, on on the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. It's not a great name. Uh, it's a clear name, though. I'll give it that. Normally, these like that's a great thing on political messaging. If it can't be flashy, it should at least be clear, because I do feel that's what's really throwing me about this bill. Uh, it's that it's a decent bill. Like usually when I hear compromise carved out, it means like we got the Republican bill, but they took out the part where there's mandatory assault weapons for every child born. Uh, like and it's, it's just it's just tax breaks for the wealthy. Uh, but uh, yeah, also like normally Democrats would call this like instead of uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, they'd be like the act to confirm later expenditures at a lower rate within the next decade uh, in in progress perpetuity act or something like that. It's not a great name, but it is a clear name. I got to give it that. So Shannon, your thoughts here on on Ira, as we'll call him for the rest of the Oh, well, um, I do enjoy Ira. Uh, he seems like a really good guy. Um, I, I mean, it's, it seems good. I, I think here's the thing, as I've learned over the past five years now, I don't trust anything. So I'm pretty sure that something's going to happen. So I can be excited that like, you know, we're addressing climate change and inflation over the next 25 years. But uh, um, I just, I, I don't know. I think that Kristen Cinema is gonna come in an all Jean outfit and somehow fuck this up. And I just, I don't, I won't trust it until I actually see like climate change happening. Yeah, I, I was saying, I really hope that they've allocated like like $6 million for wig expenditures for any senators from the Southwest region who want them and just to ensure that she's on board. Whatever she needs, just throw it in there. The Arizona wig purses. act. Yeah, <laughs> the Arizona she, wig and purse. fringe boots or something? Like, I don't know. Yeah. The, um, I mean, the dressing like a supervillain sidekick from 1986 act. Yeah. I, mean, we, I mean, it's funny. I mean, we are, we are like, you know, sort of, uh, you know, uh, jibing uh, and nudging it at, uh, at cinema at this point but it, but it is it is an important caveat in this deal that uh yes the, the um 
the, the Democrats got Manchin on board and they've gotten, um, you know, they've, they've got Republicans ticked off at them and so forth. But uh, the, the, um, Schumer and Manchin did not um, bring um, cinema into this. And so- And isn't, uh, I believe, uh, really stand up good guy, Senator Robert Menendez from New Jersey also has some potential objections to it. Uh, whatever you do, don't Google Menendez. <laughs> They also yeah, didn't. They also Menendez, didn't bring. They Menendez. also didn't bring the White House into this, by the way, because yeah. they wanted this to be. Yeah. If it fell apart, they didn't want this to blow back. They. Th this is so clearly a political maneuver, probably the most nakedly political mover maneuver that they've done out in the open, with the way that you know, not just dropping it on them, but then in talking about it, they out and out were like, "Yeah, we've been secretly cooking this up for the last two weeks." Yeah. The you advantage. Know, and, Sorry. Go ahead. I'm gonna well, say, but, but, sorry, go ahead. After you. No, I insist. You're serving our country right now. <laughs> One thing I, I do want to point out is that Democrats are, are, for the last 20 years or so, have treated legislation like uh, abused spouses where they're like, well, whatever I can get, you know, whatever you let me, whatever you let me, I'm, I'm going to be happy with it. And since 2018, they've been really um, surprised by how much they can get done when they actually just put it in front. And I think we can't ignore the context of the, the Supreme Court Roe v. Wade decision that they have kind of supercharged things. They're like, we're just going to throw it out there because, oh, holy shit, we might fuck up and pass some stuff, you know, because now they're talking about things and Congress Congress has passed a slew of popular legislation, not just not just legislation, but standalone popular pieces of legislation that has broad popular support. And they're putting in front of the Senate. And, and if Schumer brings it up for votes, they're putting people on record going into an election year. Things that Democrats have normally, generally, historically been wary of because we don't want to rock the boat in an election year. And Democrats have suddenly found a spine and said, yeah, you know what? People like it when you're in power, when you show that you're in power. Whether, uh, whether, whether it passes or fails, you, people need to see that you're doing something. Because if, if Roe gets, if Ro gets uh, you know, stricken down by the Supreme Court in an election year, while Democrats control you know, the legislature and the executive branch, well, what good are Democrats to voters? So voters need to see them doing things. And I think this is, Part and parcel of that, uh, and 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 following up on that, uh, you saw you know a couple of weeks ago in the in the House where uh, the the Democrats put the Respect for Marriage Act uh, out there and were like stunned when um, you know 47, 47 Republicans actually signed actually signed onto it. I mean they they figured that this was just going to be another one of those. We'll put it out there. We might get five or six Republican votes, and then it's just going to die in the Senate and blah, blah, blah. But instead, you got 47 Republicans. And um, nominally, when you, if, you get, um, if you get almost a quarter of the Republicans in the House, you'll, the, just the way the dynamics of politics works, uh, even with this, the current 50-50 Senate, you, you can probably figure that you'll get about um, that, that, that percentage um, on the Senate side, on the Senate side as well, it, 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 except for extraordinary circumstances. So, before the, the, the um, um, before uh, this deal came through, it was like looking good that yeah, even on the Senate side, 
we'll probably get 10 or 12 um, uh, senators to pass, uh, to pass that as well. Now, after that vote, Susan, Susan Collins, who is somebody you would normally expect to be supporting Respect for Marriage Act, she's now, she's now coming out and saying, well, you know, because of this deal that the, the, that the Democrats have done, you know, this may endanger the Respect for Marriage Act, which yeah. if she's serious about that, she's got a lot of explaining to do. Shannon, go ahead. You, you look like you had something to say there. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say that she's very concerned. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, Robert, you said outside of extraordinary circumstances, and I like that we're learning one set of extraordinary circumstances for Republicans is Democrats standing up to them. They're like, well, we standing up to us. Nope. Now you've pushed us too far. Now we can't work with you. It's your fault. Uh, yeah, I, I think they're I think they're also surprised to find that the the typical nar uh, narrative isn't going their way. Right. I think Republicans, Republicans are yeah. I, I think Republicans have been very surprised because normally they can say, look what the Democrats made us do. And people are going, fuck you. You're just being assholes. Yeah. We don't. You, how dare you hold up this non-related piece of legislation because you're mad at Chuck Schumer or Joe Manchin. We'll get and, to that in one moment. <laughs> and, and, but but the other thing I would say is this is the first sign that I have seen because the cycle says that Democrats are going to lose the midterms because that's what happens in the cycle normally, um, you know, barring for, a, a, say, a global war on terror. Um, normally, um, and, and this is the first sign I've seen that all the polling has not been trending towards the Republicans' way. And as much as it looks like, you know, it could still be up for grabs, this turn from Joe Manchin is the clearest sign so far I've seen that suddenly Joe Manchin thinks he might still have a chairmanship at stake after November. So yeah. a thing that wasn't important to him two months ago is now suddenly very important to him right now this summer. And that's interesting to me. And I was gonna say he may not have they may not have cinema on board yet. And there's also like conservative or moderate and conservative Democrats in the House who are sometimes uh, uh, difficult, but Manchin's probably the only Democrat who uh, can vote however he wants and his voters will not care. <laughs> like, the, you know, like the rest of them are gonna have to face Democratic voters. Manchin basically, I don't, I'm not a fan of Joe Manchin, but I have always appreciated that he has to face Republican voters, whereas the rest of the Democrats don't. Uh, and that's, you know, that to me is a, whenever friends of mine are like, someone should primary Joe Manchin, I'm like, good luck. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't know if you've ever spent time in West Virginia. I've driven through that state and I've been horrified. Uh, and if he can win, then like, you know, unfortunately, Joe Manchin, uh, being a Democrat in a 50-50 Senate is pretty much the one thing, again, standing between us and the forced assault weapons for birth bills of like 20, you know, 22 being put up on, yeah, on the- Katani Brown-Jackson is on the Supreme Court right now because uh, Joe Manchin is a senator from Virginia and there's not a Republican senator from Virginia. And, it, and it's just it's just as simple as that. Yeah, and I think we should get a lot more Democratic senators in there so he can vote however the hell he wants for the rest of his life. Uh, thanks for the thanks for the gavels, Joe. Uh, let's. I, I want to uh, switch gears a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about a, a specific piece of legislation, but I do think one thing. So it's like I, you know, uh, our old pal Oliver Willis, get well soon, Oliver, uh, has a a rule about the United States Senate that I always come back to, which is we should really abolish the United States Senate. <laughs> and I've always felt that way. I think you know it was a it was a body that was created. Basically, and this is an oversimplification, but not much. Uh, it was created because they're like, well, we can't just let those poor people vote however they want. Uh, 
Like, let's put a Senate in place. They weren't initially elected. They were. Yeah. It was an appointed position for for a hundred years. Yeah. yeah but, but keep it just. I mean, I, I, I you know, I, I, uh, Oliver Wills is is you know one of my good friends. Uh, we love to. We we've been squabbling each other from the era of blogs. You know, go, so going back, you know, nearly twenty, nearly twenty years. Uh, but the. The bicameral system. Go easy. Was, the man's in the hospital. All right. He can't defend the, himself on this the, call. The, the, the bicameral, the bicameral system um, was set up um, uh, for, I think, legitimate reasons. And you know, we 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 could talk about now how you know the imba the imbalance that um, these small rural these small rural states, um, uh, which tend which tend not exclusively, but tend to, to, to be more conservative and to be more Republican, have, you know, they've, they've got just as much power in the context of the Senate as, um, as, California, as, as California does and so forth. But, you know, th that, as they say, is a, a feature. It's, it's not a bug. And when you, when, if you go back to the, um, the colonial times and the, 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 when the Constitution was actually being, being put together, they said they wanted to have a balance between you know the power of the people, caveat there, the people who actually are allowed to vote then happen to be white men with property. Yes, we understand. We understand that. But we hey, also I'm not even that. I don't own any property. Well, exactly, <laughs> right, exactly. Great. So even by you, colonial standards, I'm less than. You're less than. Well, you're also Irish. So by but the, the, there's a but that, there's an there's an artificial cap now on on the people's representation in the, well, the, 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 the and that's, that's, the, that's where the imbalance I, I agree really I would in. agree with, I, I agree look the house should the house should be expanded I I, I there's no there's I have no I have no disagree, I have no disagreement disagreement there well, well yeah. and what I would say like why I bring up the senate to Angeline's point earlier like I think when when you communicate out to the public uh to Angeline's point about you know like the general public being like well I don't understand what's going on and Benari's point about like, you know, uh, Democrats in power seeming like they don't do anything. There is a problem with me that this week, 55 senators voted for the PACT Act. And so it lost. <laughs> like, and that's the problem with the system. Like, how do you justify like in, in the same thing about like all those votes that that the House took up, uh, you know, to codify Roe, to codify, uh, to codify the Respect for Marriage Act, all this stuff. And it's like, that what is like if I'm the public and I hear like great so they're going to do that and then it's going to go to the Senate where there's definitely 51 votes for it and that means it's not going to pass. <laughs> my and immediate that, thought that, becomes my immediate and I think part of why we why we tend to have lower turnouts in elections and congressional votes is because you know people realize they're like well the Congress by design is designed not to do anything and I think if Congress was designed to do something a I think we'd have better votes in general I think if you got rid of the filibuster. I don't think that that would lead to like slamming majority rule, except on some things. I think it means a lot more people on both sides would come to the table and be like, well, if this is going to pass, then I'm going to try and make it good. Uh, and that's where I have a problem with the Senate. It seems like a hundred rich people whose jobs is just be like, well, I know everyone in America wants this, but you don't, you don't need to abolish the Senate. You start with abolishing the filibuster and you go from there because the body <laughs> itself can hide behind the, this paper filibuster. It's not even a real filibuster. It's not even a real filibuster. It's a paper filibuster where one senator can derail the entire system in perpetuity. And that's that's a real impediment to progress. And remember, the, the, Senate, the, Senate is the Senate is constitutional 
um, so, uh, in the sense of the Senate is like literally embodied in the Constitution. So you can't just, you, you're not going to be able to abolish it. You need a convention. The, fil the, filibuster, <laughs> the filibuster is not. The, the, um, the, 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 the filibuster is a, um, um, the, the, the filibuster is a, is, is created, is created by the Senate itself. Accidentally created by Aaron Burr, actually. Ah, that guy, <laughs> who, who, that guy. Who, who tried to simplify as his last act as Senate president before they kicked him out because, you know, he murdered someone. Uh, and also, I believe, <laughs> later tried to, tried to lead an army against the United States. But anyway, yeah. please go on and tell me about the genius of the filibuster created by Aaron Burr, a man who died from STDs on Staten Island. The rules for Congress and Senate were the same, and he was basically was trying song. to make the point that it was too... Uh, that there, there were too many rules and we need to simplify things. And so the rules for cloture, they had their own rules for cloture of the, of the 60 votes or whatever it was in 60 at the time, it was the, it was the supermajority votes for cloture that never got updated. They changed it in the Senate and then it created this weird loophole of like, oh, well, you can never get cloture. You, you can actually can't get cloture in the Senate unless you have the supermajority. And as we got more and more senators became, you know, became a 60 vote threshold it's near it, it it actually became much similar to the problem they had with the uh original colonies and the Arnold confederation where they could never get anything passed because they could never get enough of the votes and so it inadvertently created this filibuster that's just stayed in place because it's the goddamn senate and they're like well it's it's historical we don't want to change it. It's been this Damn way. Damn Eric Bird. Yeah, this guy's still getting us. Angeline, talk to me about communicating out on stuff like this to the public and trying to explain to the public uh, that you really need 60 votes in a body of 100 people to pass incredibly popular legislation. And I'll add quickly, that's what makes this reconciliation bill such a big deal. Twice a year, they're allowed to vote uh, uh, just a straight 50, 50 vote. Uh, as as John Stewart famously said, the United States Senate, the only place in the world where reconciliation means fuck you, we're doing it anyway. <laughs> uh, but Angeline, talk to me about communicating out these weird nuances to the public. I, I see, I'm having a lot of trouble thinking about this. Not, I think, and this is exactly why I decided to come back to Texas after working in New York, is because at the end of the day, I think it is almost a luxury that we get to talk about politics and 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 understand it to the degree that we do, right? Because because and I say this as a first generation immigrant, my parents immigrated from the Philippines, are in the medical field, were able to get here by way of an H one B B one visa, et cetera, et cetera. They're just like interested in paying down my student loans and like, and that's it, and making sure that I have a way of creating a family if I want to, and. It's tough because I've only been able to bring them into this conversation because it has become my whole life in a lot of ways um, beyond just like my work, but also something that I'm like incredibly passionate about. And I even struggled to talk to the people that I care about most because there's a, a threshold of education that people don't get when they become Americans necessarily. Um, or even if, I mean, I say this as a product of Texas public schools, um, yeehaw. There is a lot of shit that we are not taught in school. Like the way that I, I strictly like learned about Juneteenth, which by the way, happened in Galveston, Texas, like 40 minutes from where I live and grew up when I was working for New York government, like that's not okay. 
that's not a great. And also good time to mention that Texas is like what one of the biggest purveyor of history books and textbooks in the country because of how many freaking kids we have. So yeah. Those yeah. People. There's a, uh, I'll come back to that. Actually, I was going to, I have a family member who'd be mad at me if I talked at length about that. Uh, so <laughs> I stopped myself there. You're welcome, Caroline. <laughs> um, uh, Shannon, your thoughts watching a, a United States government and particularly we're going to really get into it because because your boy Pat Toomey did us a solid this week. Uh, <laughs> uh, thoughts watching a government that that uh, believes in working when when there's time. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, here's the thing. I don't think that I quite understand the ins and outs of the Senate. I, I think that as a as a 30 something year old, I started to learn about it because uh, a certain person won the presidency and it made my brain explode. And so I just tried to get as much information into my brain as possible. And it's hard to catch up when you're so behind for most of your life. You just kind of like, we're like, great. They're doing stuff, I assume. I'm gonna go to McDonald's now. Like you just kind of live your life and like assume that they're doing what they have to do. And then like the world explodes um, and you have to try to like get all this information into your body. And you're like, I don't, why? Why can't they just vote 50-50 all the time? I don't understand why and that and i i fancy myself an intelligent human and so i can't imagine what like the rest like the country who isn't really trying to get all this information in their brain and they're just kind of going about their lives like how we're trying to get this point across that this isn't normal or right or this we need more we need the filibuster to go away like all that stuff is so intricate and hard to explain and i think it's I don't know where I'm going with this, but I feel like I, I just feel even so, as someone who has devoted time to learning about it and, and figuring out what's going on, I, I still feel very lost a lot. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that's not great. Well, or, I think most or, voters, I feel like most voters feel like you do. And part of the problem is because they get to make up their own rules every absolutely. every session. So yeah. so because of that, you can teach all the civics you look, we don't teach civics. That's a problem. But even if but even if we did, you still wouldn't understand why in 1984 they could do it a certain way, but today they can't. And yeah. it's because they decided not to. And it's really at the whims of the people who make up that body from from session to session, from term to term, that that allows them to just do what they want and they really get to do it however they the the group of them that decides on the rules for this time uh make it possible for them to do it that way i will say and, too oh, i'm sorry go ahead angeline no i i was just thinking i mean shannon when you were when you were explaining what like how you feel in this moment which is totally justified like i am a crazy berkeley liberal and i will say i mean all of this stuff is by design like i do think that there is a reason that these certain people continue to get elected have power have the ability to change the rules, change it up on people and just keep, you know, rolling with their agenda. It's, it's, it's a real bummer. It's such a bummer. I want to say to, to Robert's point earlier, like there was like, there is definitely like some positives to the Senate. If you look back in the history of the Senate, there've been some truly great and, and like brave Senates. And also like 
admittedly in a different time the breakdown of the senate was not along party lines but regional lines like you had northeastern republicans who were a little more progressive you had southern democrats who were a little more conservative the mountains the midwest all that stuff and so because like this region was a bunch of republicans and democrats who might disagree but all came on the same flights were all pals and like they could work out deals and like that regional diversity i think made it work really well in many ways and like you go and look back a lot of those votes you have more than 60 votes because it wasn't along party lines so much as it was along regional lines now the other side of why that senate got along pretty well is probably also a lack of diversity and it being a bunch of rich white men who are all like yeah who needs civil rights and then they're like no one i know needs them uh I think these people are, are overreacting. Oh, my maid says she does need it. So maybe I'm on board, uh, which is basically how LBJ, I think, got on board with civil rights. It's like, <laughs> it's one of the stories is he had his maid drive his car down to Texas for him and she couldn't stop at a single hotel and he was furious. So he suddenly got on we board. We got to change this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I needed that car by Thursday. Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, but let's talk then like about the United States Senate this week. And this is something uh, Benari, I imagine, is very, very close to, to your heart on this. Uh, 55 votes to 40. Uh, I think it was actually 42 votes. So three folks, I guess, were just busy that day. Um, the thing that always bothers me, like, <laughs> like uh, I've been on volunteer yeah, boards and missed votes. Like I'm like, literally, if I were a senator, I'd be at every vote. Like that is your job. Uh, I get it. But still, uh, but four days a week. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I gotta, I gotta drive my car down because it's weird to have your maid drive it down now. Um, uh, but uh, one, one, one was in co one was in COVID quarantine. Yeah, we, we do know that. Well, we should, we should make exceptions so that the COVID quarantine folks can vote virtually. That's my thing, um, which I, I uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll give one person that. that. Uh, and then I guess is, is Leahy back yet? I don't know. Uh, he, one of our many 90-year-old senators. Who, who might also be in COVID protocol now. Who get, to who, who get to tell all of us what to do, despite the fact that they'll be gone soon. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, Leahy's and, awesome. And, and, and technically, the, yeah, technically, the vote was, uh, it was, it was actually 56 in favor of going forward, but because of once Schumer again had, those funky, those funky, those funky Senate rules. Uh, yeah, gotcha the, again. The the, the, uh, uh, the the head of the the, the the majority leader can um, vote changes vote so we can bring it changes back up vote so we can bring it up back up, which is probably what's going to be happening um, uh, this week yeah. when they bring, when they bring this bill back up. Um, to, to by back. the way, this the, was the, the PACT this, bill. This is, I haven't actually named the bill yet, Benari. The PACT, the PACT Act, which is a uh, Veterans Health Care Act, and specifically, I don't think the entire act, but there's major provisions for for recovery from uh, burn pits. No, that's actually the, the well, that's the, the entirety of the bill. The the bill is to expand veterans health care so when you get va health care from the veterans uh, from the va um it's from the veterans administration there's a classification and and one of the big things is cancer is often not considered service related or to prove that you got cancer from something that's service related because there's separate types of health care that you get but veterans the veterans administration health care specifically is for anything that you got that was in relation to your service. Now, cancer is a tough one. And so for you, this is not just uh, the last couple, this has been decades. This has been since Vietnam, veterans have been fighting to make it easier because the onus is on them to prove that their cancer is service related. And so what that this- That makes me so angry. I can't it, imagine it for someone who has been dealing with that, how angry you must be all the time. Like I, I saw that John Stewart episode because I did. 
And I seriously like had to turn my TV off and like walk around my block because I was so angry that like, I can't imagine dealing with it every day. Like so, I truly can't. And, and the reason it's yeah. burn pits is because a lot of uh, the way to dispose of things, especially for security purposes is you you burn the items, but also you're in, you're in areas that don't have EPA regulations and environmental protections and things like that. So you're dealing, uh, so you're, burning things and and troops, the constant burning of things is sending out chemicals into the air. And so a lot of these places, and then also we're not just talking in combat zones, we're talking at like, I don't know, Camp Lejeune or, or places around the country that have historically not lived up to environmental standards, which have had toxins in the air, which have exposed troops to, to numerous types of toxins that they weren't even aware of till much later. And so anyway, all of this is supposed to streamline things. So it's just baked in, it's a given that, you know what? You probably got it from something service related. And um, just so folks you know, know I, when I, this bill, I, I was kind quickly, of wait. hang on real quick. Just give some background context on this bill. Uh, a couple of months ago, the Senate brought it for a vote. It got 85 votes. It went to the House. There were some like language changes, but nothing actually policy wise changes. Came back to the Senate, and then a bunch of Republicans led by uh, Pennsylvania Senator Pat Toomey, who, as we all know, famously is just an answering machine in an office in Philadelphia, uh, who, uh, who led folks to change their votes. Cause he figured he's retiring the end of the year. Let's, let's screw a few more people on the way out the door. <laughs> so, yeah, so Robert, it, it, go ahead. Uh, well, 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 a couple of things. Uh, number one, I had been wondering why it suddenly started like, you know, two or three weeks ago, I was getting all of this um, um, spam about Camp, Camp Lejeune. And I thought, uh, well, I, I, I was down in Atlanta for, for about a week or so and I suddenly getting the spam. So I thought, am I being, is my, my email being tracked that they know that I'm down in the South and I'm getting this weird Camp Lejeune stuff. But then I realized that it, 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 it's, it's connected to this very same um, topic that, uh, that, that Benari uh, clearly explained. And now, can, can you the, just explain a little background for like, let's say the host of this show isn't hundred percent familiar with Camp Lejeune. Uh, just a little background on, on what that is and what that uh, about. I will defer to Benaria. I will defer to Benaria because I've I've only got I've, I've gotten the spam and I've like you know sent it to spam. Uh, but it, it was he who like like finally right. clicked as to why it's going. Um, it's Sergeant, I mean, please look, explain the, why you're spamming Robert George. He's the, very important to our country. The short the short answer is is they have um, carcinogens in the in the water in the in the, um, the the buildings that people stay in. There's asbestos. There's all sorts of things, and they had major problems, and they had a lot of Marines that were coming back from Camp Lejeune who. We're sick. After, and where is Camp serving there. located? Um, down south. Down uh, south. I, I believe it's <laughs> North, Car Jet. North Carolina. Is it I think it's it's one of the I think it's one of the Carolinas. I, I can I can look it up real fast. Well, I think um, the people in North Carolina should vote for Jeff Jackson for Congress to help end this kind of stuff. Um, uh, but this show but, doesn't take an official position. But the but the but the the, the 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 simple answer is is that basically the crux of it is, is you're exposed to things that you wouldn't have been exposed to unless you were in the service. And so this, this particular bill um, gained a lot of traction because now we have the science to back it up. And now, now we kind of know. And so what it's doing is it's taking the onus off of the service member to prove that they got sick because they were in a place or whatever. And, so and one of the, and one of the reasons, one of the reasons why, um, why John Stewart, um, uh, um, the, the comedian um, is in the middle of this. Uh, I mean, he's in the middle of it. He's in the middle of it because he sees it. It's it's the right thing to do. 
but it really links it, it links back to um, his advocate the, the advocacy that he's been doing with um, New York first responders in the context of post 9/11 because the the issue that, um, that, that that is at the heart of this is this is this question of presu presumption which is it which is which it be, um, uh, which Angeline knows uh, knows well in, in terms of being in, involved in New York policy policy issues um, for 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 many many years. Um, uh, fire, uh, firefighters had 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 argued that um, uh, any any lung problems that they had there should be there should be considered a presumption that they, it is related to related to their service and uh, New York State and New York City um, for many many years said well there are, in some cases it might be it might be but it may not be because some of them some of them some of them smoke so it may have just been by themselves. So if eventually it became it, it became a New York law that um, anyone um, that had uh, had the showed the showed the showed lung disease um, who's, who's a, was a firefighter it was going to be presumed that that came that, that that came in the line the line of duty duty and that had um, all sorts of that had all sorts of implications um, for for how many how many how much yeah. benefits they or their family or their survivors if they ended up dying early um, would, um, uh, would, would 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 actually get so that's so 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 Stewart's uh, advocacy on that um, ended up was, it was just a natural lead into his advocacy for and, and for I and I and I will say I met John Stewart when I was in Afghanistan in 2011 and he came down with USO and has remained in contact with the with local veterans he's 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 sort of never wavered on and off camera he has been a leading advocate for this and used his celebrity to advance this particular cause as as Robert said uh, not just for first responders but for veterans because we're very good at sending people to war um, we're very bad at taking care of those who come back from that and, and who do the service. But one other thing that I want to say is that this also was unfortunately the bipartisan uh, legislation. It was up for a vote after the uh, mansion announcement occurred. Yeah. And because Republicans were furious that they had already voted for the chips bill, they got them on the chips. This was the piece of legislation. So they, they, they just abruptly, uh, with a lot of them abruptly withdrew their support or changed their vote. They were on the record, senators who were on the record voting for this. Nothing had had changed. There was a uh, uh, but but Benari, they said oh, Benari, there was supposed yeah. to be a, they, they were supposed to allow us a, a certain amendment, and they didn't really allow the amendment. Okay. Yeah, and it was never so. So number one, it was never supposed to be amendment. Number two, it was always and I and I want to make this point. I like it's I allowed you to interrupt on the back of making it's a joke. Mandatory. It's mandatory. Uh, uh, it's mandatory funding. And you'll hear the Ted Cruz's and the Toomey's talk mm. about discretionary versus mandatory. It was never intended to be discretionary because a lot of the veterans funding runs into problems because when it's discretionary, it becomes a political football. Yeah. It was always meant to be mandatory, uh, mandatory funding. That way it can't be a bargaining chip because veterans aren't supposed, veterans healthcare is not supposed to be a bargaining chip. I want to say, well, Robert, I appreciate uh, right after the chips. So there Robert, you go. very nice. I want to I say, want to say Robert, Robert. Also, I really appreciate you making a point to clarify that it was John Stewart, the comedian, and not John Stewart, the Green Lantern. Uh, uh, Angeline, you're you're also thoughts, a veteran. Uh, yes, also a veteran. He was He's served our country, and I guess veteran, Vietnam veteran originally, of, but now that the a veteran of color, and I don't mean green. Yeah, right. exactly. All right, very nice. Uh, boy, really bringing it. <laughs> 
Bring the nerd potion up. One for the DC comic super fans. Angeline, your thoughts uh, on 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 this this vote and suddenly changing it. Uh, on, I'll put it this way. Let's be honest. Look at what the Democrats made them do, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, well, it's really funny that you said that you met John Stewart because your circumstances were much cooler than mine. I was a, a special assistant to de Blasio a few years back and he was, they were passing the, uh, the fund uh, for 9-11 victims, particularly individuals who are serving in post 9-11. Um, and he was there. John Stewart was there and that was crazy. And he did a really great job. And it was really touching to hear how he had personal relationships with everyone who was coming up to the podium to honor their, their fallen loved ones. Um, that all being said, I think it, it's interesting because I think when I, when I was the special assistant, I was also assigned a driver from DCAS or the Department of Citywide Administrative Services. Um, but his name was Daryl, is Daryl, and he had been working for the agency for maybe like 25 years. So he actually was driving around at the time of like trying to rebuild after 9-11, driving around the deputy mayors, the commissioners, et cetera. And he had been exposed to these fumes and that there was suspicion at the end of the day, if it was contributing to a cancer that he was fighting off. And I don't think he received the same benefits. And I'm not saying that I think everybody who was potentially affected by this, who served in some capacity, who helped people serve should be getting the benefits, but we still aren't getting down to like the nuances of, okay, so are we looking at actually, like, are we doing a survey of the people on the ground who was there? Okay, I, I think it's really important that we start with first responders and also who else was there. Yeah, that's definitely true. And I think it's sort of like, I mean, it goes back to, you know, the the battles we've had for decades with healthcare, what is crazy to me, and like, regardless of whether you come down on the side of like privatized, you know, healthcare, private insurance, public insurance, it does seem to me like I, what always frustrates me, and this is a apolitical thing, uh, is that like, we still respond to it as a commodity and not like, even if you're like, all right, I need to figure out how much cost we can justify spending. That's a fair conversation to have. But just that it's always like, well, did those firefighters really experience toxins? Yes, they did. I guarantee you they did. <laughs> at least once they've all experienced toxins. <laughs> like, look at these buildings. Look at how old they are in, in the city of New York. Are you kidding me? Uh, Shannon, your, your, your thoughts here uh, on the, the Republicans and on your boy, Pat Toomey, our friend, Pat Toomey, uh, <laughs> Pennsylvania's greatest son, uh, bravely leading the soldiers as far away from helping uh, the real soldiers as he could. <laughs> I, oh God, well, answering machine Pat Toomey is, um, you know, he's a tape deck. Um, I, he needs to be retired. Um, he, you know, here's the thing. I, I always say this about um, that the Republican party is that they, they claim to be so pro-life, but everything says to me that they are not. <laughs> and so they like, I, it's just basically like veterans are a woman who had a baby. <laughs> like, like, the, like if you go to war, you're a fetus. We want it. We want you to, we like you, but once you come home, you're a woman and it's like, all right, well, fuck you. Um, and I just, I never, I also never understood why we just don't give them benefits. Just like, 
across the board? It's a great question. Like what? <laughs> so I don't. Okay, here's the thing. Because it's expensive. Yeah, but right. fuck, fuck off. I don't care. I, like I, I like, would never. Like even if I could, let's say for some reason there was some miracle drug, and tomorrow I could like be Captain America, right? I would never in a million years go fight for this country. And these people decided to, like, there was no draft. There was no, like, they, they went, yep, this is what I want to do with my time. And we fuck them over. And that is unacceptable on so many levels. Give them whatever they want. Like they are fighting for us. And we are like fighting them on like the stupidest thing. Like, shut up. It's healthcare. Give them what they want. You're, you're also only talking about roughly 1% of the entire American population at this point. Right. So, so in terms of, in, in terms of the number of people you're, you're, you're talking about, it's, it's negligible in terms of the overall uh, it's bonkers. budget. It's yeah. bonkers to me. But we need like, those Tomahawk missiles, man. All right. It's that or you <laughs> getting dental care, Benari. Sorry, pal. Benari, Benari, I'm a little, <laughs> Benari, I'm a little bit confused. I, I thought, um, oh I thought Democrats wanted Republicans to vote against the 1%. Yes. Uh, oh, yes. oh, wait, it's a different one percent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's the kind of joke that got us booed out of Philly last week. <laughs> um, Thank you. Uh, I think what most fascinates me about the pushback, I'm like, I, Bernard, you might have been the one to say this, but watching, you know, first of all, it's like, you know, John Stewart being a, a celebrity, it's a little different than other senators, but also like John Stewart has given a voice that I've noticed Democratic senators picking up on. It's fascinating. Now we live in an era where no one pays attention, so this might not matter anymore. But the way they're talking about things, the Democrats are talking about this issue the way Republicans would. Well, the Republican pushback, like Ted Cruz's pushback is like, I didn't vote against veterans. I voted against a small change to the discretionary spending foot. Like that's what a Democrat would say. Mm -hmm. That is how bad a Democrat from like, particularly at mid 2000s, Right after they voted for say the a Iraq John, war. Say a John Kerry. Yeah, yeah, Ted, Cruz, right. Ted yeah. Cruz went into the John Kerry. Well, I voted I for him before I went yeah. I don't know if people will pay attention, but yeah, exactly to your point. Like, I don't know, like gerrymandering has probably cost the House of Representatives. But if I'm the Republicans, I don't love the fact that I'm living in a world where I'm going to have to defend uh, voting against uh, married couples having contraception and veterans getting cancer benefits. Look, like that's look, a bad thing to have to explain. Republicans, in an election. Republicans will figure out the messaging, but I think that this particular week they were caught off guard, and so they've just been honest about their politicking and didn't expect any pushback. Because I mean, they made no bones; they were fist bumping on the floor of the Senate when they voted against veteran health care. That's what they're, that's what, that's what they did. They voted to kill an expansion of veterans health care and then they celebrated on television. And I think you have a, if you're a Democrat, you start cutting some ads, you say, do you really want to vote for someone who would fist bump Ted Cruz? Uh, it is not lost on me. Uh, we talked about this last week of the show. I think 10 days ago, Ted Cruz comes out and says, we should revisit Obergefell and revisit the, the, the decision on same-sex marriage. And the next day, 40 Republicans in the House were like, I'm for same-sex marriage now. <laughs> I don't want to be associated with Ted Cruz. Forget it. I'm on board. <laughs> Can you imagine being that hated as a human being? 
Yes, I, I do. do. The <laughs> human beings of all time. I was, went against you. I was raised I Irish was, Catholic in, in America, Shannon. I definitely can imagine. I, I once, I, I once said, I, I once. This is a few. This is a few years ago, um, when when Trump was when 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 Trump was president. I said, you know, if Trump wanted a really really easy easy win. Um, he would um, uh, he would nominate uh, Ted Cruz to the Supreme Court uh, because it would pass ninety nine to nothing uh, <laughs> <laughs> because the Republicans said, yes yes go and then when and then he's like and then you've got uh, John Roberts saying well wait wait let's not get so fast here you do really we, you don't really need to send him over here yeah no instantly John Roberts would be like let's expand the court I can't be in a room <laughs> with just this guy. <laughs> Right. By that, by the way, that one vote against would probably be Joe Manchin, just to be difficult. <laughs> well, no, I was assuming that I was assuming that that that, that, that Ted Cruz wouldn't would actually. You don't like, think Ted Cruz would himself. vote for himself? I think Ted Cruz is the only person who's definitely going to vote for Ted Cruz. Only <laughs> guaranteed vote. Uh, and with that, we will leave it there. This has been a wonderful conversation. I, I you know, there's so much more going on in the world, but uh, we really fixed the United States Senate. I think if they listen to us. All you got to do is if you're in the great state of Pennsylvania, vote for John Fetterman. Uh, send, yes. send our, I was going to say first, but then I remember John Tester and Sherrod Brown are out there. So the third Muppet monster to ever be elected to the United States Senate if John Fetterman wins. Wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for being uh, with us this week. Angeline, thank you for, for being with us. Where can folks find you on social media if they want to, if you don't want them to? I, you're not in, in the no game worries. anymore. So now, you're, now you don't have to be afraid of what you say in public. I know it's so crazy. It's very good. Now I speak for myself, um, unfortunately. So if you want to hear any of that, you can go to uh, at a underscore superable. That's super like Superman, A-B-L-E. Excellent. Thank you very much. Shannon, where can folks find you uh, uh, to, to yell at you with their disagreement on this podcast? Because you're a woman who offered an opinion. Oh, that is true. Yeah. Uh, so obviously Twitter. <laughs> um, you just go on any social media platform <laughs> and type in at Shannon DeVito. Uh, it's D-U-V-I-D-O with a D. Uh, you can um, come yell at me because I'm a woman with the uterus <laughs> and uh, I exist in the world. Benari, where can folks thank you for your service and then probably vote against anything that could possibly right. help you live a comfortable life? Uh, they can uh, also on Twitter or Instagram at Benari Lee, B E N A R I L E E. Also, Camp Lejeune is in North Carolina. Just want to make sure you're in North Carolina. We get that in the footnotes. Excellent. Thank you. And Robert George, where can folks find more of, of your wonderful witticisms and sayings and and puns that are completely tasteful and I don't have to apologize to people after the show for. <laughs> uh, well, yes, you can uh, You can come at, uh, on Twitter, um, at Rob George. Uh, you can come and yell at me because I am a free black man in America, you know, so that's sometimes, you know, I can sometimes play that card. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, people forget uh, that when you talk about conservative ideals. <laughs> I know it is, it, it, it's, it's easy for, for people to forget. Uh, and yeah, yeah, so, you know, if you're, you know, you, if you're a, uh, uh, if you're a Republican, you can come and yell at me because uh, I've, I've become less conservative over the years. Or if uh, if you're a Democrat, you can still yell at me because you still think of me as a black uh, one of the, those black conservatives. You can yell <laughs> at me too. You know, so it's 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 all good. Um, on the on the on the inst on the Instagrams, you can find me at uh, at Rob George twenty nine because with with these youthful good looks, I'll always be twenty nine. Excellent. Thank you. And folks can find me to yell at me for uh, any decision I made on a Spider-Man comic between 2007 and 2013 uh, on at Brennanator on Twitter, at Brennanatorgram on Instagram. 
And as always, uh, follow Electoral Dysfunction uh, wherever you get your podcasts. It's where we drop it. It's where you're listening to it right now. And we will be back in two weeks. I want to say a quick thank you to Joanne Harris, who composed our uh, show theme, and to my buddy Ned Thorne for helping me put these together. And thank you to Kent McClarkelson, a.k.a. Rich Templeton, for stopping by earlier uh, to talk about... Rage Against the Mansion, his new cover band. Uh, that is it for this week on Electoral Dysfunction. We will be back in two weeks' time. It's good to be back, all right? Take care and have a safe week, America. America.